As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into Football and Grits, your SEC-centric podcast here on The Athletic. I'm your host, Aaron Suttles, Alabama football beat writer for The Athletic. It's Tuesday. That means it's the subscriber participation portion of Football and Grits. You guys send in awesome questions. I try to do the impossible task of picking among those questions the four or five most interesting um, and tackling those. As I mentioned, it's an impossible task because you guys uh, submit so many good ones that it's really difficult to choose between. We're just coming off championship weekend and um, a different sort of championship weekend, right? Where we had conference championship games and then we also had teams within the conference making up games. And then we had the college football playoff selection show. That's always um, a controversial topic. And this year, the controversy is um, you're seeing people really start to push this agenda about expanding the college football playoff. Um, that's not my particular cup of tea because I didn't think there were four worthy teams this year. Um, so trying to pick eight for a college football playoff, I didn't think there were four. I think there was a fourth this year. Uh, I think this would have would have been a year where um, you know the old BCS might have uh, might have been the best way to determine a champion. But I have no problem with the college football playoff. But when we start talking about eight teams, um, I, I get it. It's a it's a it's a it's a way to um, to get more inclusion into the college football playoff. And certainly Cincinnati is a team that, that um, a lot of people felt were underranked. I know, I know Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M certainly want to expand the college football playoff this year. Cause they're sitting there at number five, not getting in Notre Dame, getting the final spot. We'll get into a little bit of that a little, uh, a little later in the show. But first I want to ask you for a kindness, please go rate review and subscribe to football and grits wherever you get your podcast it helps us get the podcast out to new listeners we're always appreciative of that let's dive on in uh, Derek m says what's on the christmas list for alabama clemson ohio state and notre dame if you guys saw the christmas star last night the bethlehem star christmas stars they're calling it uh we're, we're in the christmas season we're almost here uh so this is a good question um as it pertains to the college football playoff and the, the holiday that's right around the corner. If you're looking for Alabama's Christmas list this year, I think it's a, it's a clutch defense. 
Alabama's played decent defense this year. Um, Alabama fans are are only going to be prone to remember the really bad performances. Um, and there were there were a few. They weren't they weren't great against Texas A and M. They were putrid against Ole Miss. They were putrid against Florida. Um, and, and Nick Saban basically came out after the SEC championship game against Florida and said, "Listen, the, a lot of this is just Florida had Kadarius Tony. They had Kyle Pitts." These are mismatched players, and we, we just couldn't guard them. And if you look back at what those two guys did, um, they, they had big games. But beyond that, Alabama saw, what, 46 points given up and, and sort of panicking. But the defense has played fairly well. Um, so I would say on Alabama's wish list is a clutch defense. Because if I ask you right now, and I, I, even if you're not an Alabama fan, you're listening to this podcast, if Florida has two minutes on that clock – when they get the ball back at the end of that game, rather than what they have, 16 seconds when they took it over. If Florida had two minutes, raise your hand if you think Alabama's defense gets a stop. Because I don't. I don't know how many Alabama fans out there think they would. I don't think they get a stop. So I say Alabama needs a clutch defense. In today's college football, you're not gonna, it's, it's not, you're not going to go back, and it's not going to be a defense where you you know a- allow an average of eight points a game. That's just, those days are gone. It's over with. There are too many good offensive skill players. There are too many wide receivers. Teams are going empty. Guys that used to play defensive back are now playing wide receiver because there are more wide receivers getting on the field. Therefore, there are more wide receivers getting recruited. Quarterbacks have been have been throwing the ball in seven-on-seven since they were eight years old. I mean, it's just an offensive game. That's the way it's geared. So the days of 2011 Alabama defense where you're giving up eight points a game, that's gone. But – there's also a happy medium where you don't give up 40, right? So I think if, if you can you can live in this reality of where college football is, what Alabama needs is a clutch defense. Not where you go out and shut every team out, but when you need a stop, you have faith you can get a stop. And against quality offenses with a great quarterback, I don't know how many people out there believe that an Alabama defense can get a clutch stop. Can they get multiple clutch stops in a moment in a football game in which they needed? And that's sort of where this Alabama defense is. So for, for Christmas, I'm giving Alabama a clutch defense. For Clemson, uh, I'm going to give them the gift of not having to play Ohio State again because it doesn't sound like they want to play. And I'm, listen, I'm not. I, I'm I'm smart enough to know Clemson's not afraid of anybody. They shouldn't be. They're one of the best programs in the country. They've got a record the past five years. It's tops in college football. They've got all the accolades. They've got all the players. They got all the coaches. There's no reason for them to be afraid. But Dabo certainly sounded on Sunday like he didn't want to play Ohio State. The ballot in the coaches' poll certainly looks like he didn't want to play Ohio State. Um, and Dabo's a guy, what was it, um, a few years ago when Alabama was the number four seed getting in. He didn't, he didn't have Alabama in his top fourth. So coaches sort of um, always vote their best interest. And listen, that's their job. Their job is to coach their programs, not to coach another program, to help another program. But Dabo certainly sounds like he didn't want to play Ohio State, or he's not in huge favor of playing Ohio State. So for, for Clemson, I would give them the gift of not playing Ohio State. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. For Ohio State, I would give the gift of more time. Um, they, they only got six games in. It's a big controversy. A lot, of, a lot of college football coaches feel like they didn't do enough to deserve inclusion in the college football playoff. And that, let's, let's, let's be very clear on this. That's not Ohio State's fault. That's Ohio State's conference's fault. That's the Big Ten's fault. No, no conference look, comes out looking worse in 2020 than the Big Ten. They thought they had the clout to cancel the season, and the ACC and the SEC and the Big 12 said, uh-uh, you don't. We're playing football. And then the Big Ten fans jump on the conference, and the conference reaffirms its position. We're not playing football. And then guess what? They played football. And they didn't leave themselves enough time. And their protocols, were, some would say, did not follow the science, were too long, were too uh, instituted, too stringent policies, which they've now reversed to help Ohio State. They had to reverse their policy about number of game conference games played to be included in the Big Big Ten championship game. The Big Ten looked like clowns in all this, but that's not Ohio State's fault. But I I would give the gift of time for Ohio State to get more games in. Now, there's a catch twenty two here, right? Like Alabama is certainly a has has had had an opportunity to come together as a team more. They've played eleven games. But those 11 games exert a wear and tear on your football team. Alabama would love to have Jalen Waddell. Alabama would love to have a healthy Christian Harris. I know he played against Florida in the SEC championship game, but he's a little banged up. Alabama would love to have have Landon Dickerson, who tore his ACL against Florida's out for the season. There's a wear and tear on your body when you play more games. There's more exposure. So when you play less games, you mitigate that. But there's there's a downside to that as well. You don't have an opportunity to play to peak at the right time. So for for Ohio State, I would give the the gift of time to come together a little more. And for Notre Dame, um, I would wish for them that they didn't have to play an elite quarterback. Because I, as much as people want to hate on Notre Dame, Notre Dame's a good football team. Now, it, did, it didn't show in the ACC championship game against against Clemson. But they went down and they, and they kicked a field goal early. They went, they drove again. They missed a field goal. There were some opportunities for that game that, that could have made it a little different. I'm not saying that Notre Dame would have been in that game. I'm not saying Notre Dame would have won that game. But it could have shaped that game a little differently. And they beat Clemson earlier in the year. And they did so when, when Trevor Lawrence was not in the game. So I would wish for Notre Dame a semifinal or a college football playoffs in which they did not have to play elite quarterbacks. Because i got to play Mac Jones, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the country, in the first game. And then either have to play Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. And the way Justin Fields is playing right now, a lot of people would probably take issue with me calling him elite quarterback, but you get where I'm going. I would give the gift to Notre Dame not have to play one of these big game quarterbacks. They don't seem to fare well with that. Scott G. asks, from one to Tennessee, where does this Auburn job search rank right now? We've gone from Mario Cristobal being number one to Kevin Steele to the Stop the Steel hashtag to Billy Napier and now to Bill Clark turning them down. Where is Tennessee? Where is Auburn's? Um, I guess national embarrassment. I would say it's pretty high right now. I would say Auburn violated rule number one of of the coaching search, and the rule number one is always repeat after me: You don't fire your coach, especially one who's won in a conference championship and one who's been to a national championship. 
You do not fire your coach unless you know who you're going to hire because this is what can happen. It can spiral out of control. And and within that room, it may not be as bad as it's being leaked out to the public, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Perception is everything in these things. And the perception is Auburn is dysfunctional. Auburn likes to tout itself as family, the Auburn family. And if you're not an Auburn fan, it's sort of nauseating. This idea that any college football program is not close is sort of absurd, but it's Auburn's thing. And if you're an Auburn fan, you believe in it wholeheartedly and it's special to you. Well, the Auburn family is particularly dysfunctional right now. You've got big bunny boosters who want their guy, and it's been leaked to be Kevin Steele, who have stacked the search committee with their guys who think the way that they do, who will install the guys that they want. And it's been rumored that that coaching hires that, that, that they've interviewed, they've tried to sort of manipulate who those individuals would would have on their coaching staff. Listen, if you offer someone a job, they would expect they would expect some level of autonomy. Some level. And right off the bat, if you hit them with, okay, we'll give you the job, we're gonna sign you a big contract, you're gonna have a lot of zeros on that paycheck. But this is your defensive coordinator. This is your defensive line coach. These are decisions that you don't get to make. That's going to turn a lot of people off. People want to install their own coaching staff, guys that they have relationships with, guys that they trust. And if you're being manipulated to take the job and being forced to hire people, that's not a level of autonomy that I would want, even though Auburn's a great job. And even though it's going to provide you financial security probably for the rest of your family's life, that level of autonomy is sort of non-negotiable with certain guys. So there's dysfunction in the Auburn search. And whether they were offered the position or not, the perception of being turned down by Lafayette's coach, Billy Napier, the perception of being turned down by UAB's coach, Bill Clark, is weighing heavily on that coaching search right now. It's leading people to ask what's going on at Auburn. Now, you can always write the ship very quickly with a great hire. It wasn't but, what, 14 years ago? Alabama was in this position. Your, your big rival in the same state was in this position. They were laughing stock. Rodriguez turned Alabama down publicly. Alabama's a laughing stock. But they got their guy, and it's worked out pretty well. So you can write it. You can win this with the right hire, but you can't panic right now. But the problem is also... To not panic, you need to take your time. And the longer this thing plays out, because you've been, ter- quote-unquote, turned down, whether whether or not in reality you act, those guys actually turned you down, when people remove their name from the search, it looks like that. It, it, if The time is working against Auburn, but at the same time, you have to take your time. It's a weird spot to be in. But Auburn has dysfunction, and it's playing itself out in this coaching search. It's being played out in the list of candidates. It's being played out by some Auburn fans who feel like this was manipulated from the start to give Kevin Steele the job, which there's a lot of smoke in that direction to lead them to believe that. It's being manipulated by placing mandates on potential hires about who the staff would be. There is um, there's an old way of doing business at Auburn that some Auburn fans feel hinder that program. 
But those are the same ways of doing business that allowed them to pay $21, $22 million to get rid of a head football coach. And Auburn players are noticing. If you look at what Auburn players have tweeted, they've noticed a lot of this function that's going on. They feel like they should have a say. They don't understand why you would fire Gus Malzahn without a plan. All of this is in place, and it's playing out publicly. Some of it good information, some of it bad information. But again, it's perception. If you're sitting there in the Big Ten and you're looking at Auburn, you, you think they're a joke. You're not following this close search. All you're seeing are the headlines or the, the message board rumors. Perception can really harm a program in recruiting um, and overall, but it doesn't matter if you get your guy. That's what Auburn has to be concerned with right now. You can't. You just, it's almost like you have to bury your head in the sand. Don't read all the negative, funny stuff that people are writing on Twitter about your program. Ignore it. And that's what the decision makers have to do. They have to get their guy. Because right now... The Auburn family is in dysfunction. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Stephen Ash writes, would Steve Sarkeesian be a good fit for Tennessee if they move on for Pruitt? i got to choose my words carefully here. Um, you know, I just told you that perception is ev- is everything. I don't know. I'm, I'm not installed at Tennessee to know the ins and outs. But I do know the way that some of the media stuff works. And you cannot convince me at this point that the University of Tennessee, someone or someones in that athletic department didn't leak the story that broke over the weekend is that Tennessee was investigating the Jeremy Pruitt staff for recruiting violations. That doesn't leak. NCAA is not, this is, you never hear a program ratting on itself to the media. This looks for all intents and purposes, as if they are trying to set up a situation wherein they fire Jeremy Pruitt for cause, therefore not having to pay his buyout. That's what it looks like. But if that's the route that they've chosen, if I'm another head coach, how do I take Tennessee seriously if you sabotage the current coach? Why would I ever uproot my family and go to Tennessee if this is the way that you're treating them? I don't know that Jeremy Pruitt did or did not recruit, commit recruiting violations. Um, I don't know that for a fact that Tennessee leaked it, but it seems as for all the world to see as if Tennessee leaked it, to get out of a void, a pain, a buyout. And if I were a serious head football coach, I'd have serious questions about taking the Tennessee job because of that. We talked about Auburn's dysfunction. And and Scott asked me to rank it from one to Tennessee. They're ranking it one for Tennessee because Tennessee went through this. Greg Schiano, Mike Leach, all these names publicly they got involved with. It was a clown show. And it doesn't look like a whole lot has been done within that athletic department from inside or the boosters that pay the bills to everybody get on the same page. I think there's dysfunction there too. And listen, it's not that uncommon to have dysfunction in these major athletic departments because you've got the people, the suits, the athletic directors and the president who have a way of doing things. But then you've got the money guys who are, you're asking them for their financial support to support the program, to, to pay coaches, to buy coaches out to go get a new offensive coordinator, to, to have the financial wherewithal to make these big decisions, that's not the athletic department a lot of time. A lot of that's leaned heavily upon the boosters 
And when you ask boosters to, 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 to pony up that much money, guess what? They want their say. There are big egos involved. So it's, it's not uncommon for what Auburn's going through in terms of dysfunction. It's not uncommon for what Tennessee's going through because those two, those two ideas conflict. you got the suits over here, the ADs, the presidents that want to do things one way, and they want to have the say, but then they're relying on the money of the other guys, and they expect them to give the money without having as much say. It's unrealistic, but that's the way college athletics is set up, at least at big time. The big time athletics where you're paying coaches seven, eight million. Five, six, seven, eight million. You're, you're talking about that, and that's just for a head coach, and then you got to kick in five million for a staff. That's and then you got to pay buyouts. That's the way these things are, are set up. That's the way they're orchestrated. And so to expect boosters to to just hand you a, a blank check and then not want to have their say, it's unrealistic. It's not the way business works in any realm of life. And there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? You've heard that before. Well, this applies in college athletics as well. So. Uh, you know, I've, I've been, I've heard Hugh Freeze. I've heard that Tennessee is enamored with Hugh Freeze. I've heard that Hugh Freeze is enamored with Tennessee. It seems like that's a, a fit, but all of it is moot with Jeremy Pruitt. Um, it, you know, I, I know they just pulled out. They're not going to play in a bowl game this year. Things are real negative around that program, program right now, and the recruiting allegations are just part of it. We'll just have to let this play out. I, I don't think Steve Sarkeesian is going anywhere from everything that I hear. I think uh, Alabama is um, stepping up to the plate and going to make it worth his while to stick around another season. But um, I do think that Tennessee. there's a large portion of, of Tennessee fans, boosters, that would, would like to move on from Jeremy Pruitt. And I don't think Steve Sarkeesian's the guy. I, I think he'd be a fit anywhere. He's that gifted a play caller. Um, but I, I think Hugh Freeze is the name I've sort of – Heard attached to that job, and whether that comes open this year or next year, that's something to watch. Final question from Jonathan A. Why was the national media so generally dismissive of Texas A&M regarding the college football playoff? And do you think A&M's style of play, get control of the lead, pound the defense with the run, dominate time of possession, do you think that hurt them without the flashier blowout scores that other teams had? It's a fascinating question. I think the Alabama loss certainly hurt them, the 28-point loss. Um... In, in Tuscaloosa, that, that hurt the perception of Texas A&M. But they had plenty of time. Here's what's weird about it. They had plenty of time to overcome that. What was that, the second game of the year? Um, yeah. it's, it's hard to put my finger on it. Uh, I, I think the thing with the fourth playoff spot this year is I don't, I don't think any team was quote-unquote deserving of it because you were picking from flawed teams, right? Texas A&M had the bad loss to the number one team in the country. Um, Notre Dame had the bad loss, quote unquote, um, to Clemson. So there was no deserving team. I think you were picking from flawed teams in, in that regard. And Notre Dame played, they went into the final weekend of the year unbeaten and they lost to a team that was already in the top four. I think playing in the championship game hurt Notre Dame. Here's where it gets real interesting. If Notre Dame had not been in the conference, and let's just say they had the one <clears throat> they had one loss. They still had the same record. They still beat Clemson in the regular season, but they had lost to someone else, let's say. They enter they enter the the final week of the season and in in the that that week ends and you're dealing with a with a Notre Dame team that has a win against Clemson but then has another loss, but they don't play in a conference championship game. And you take Texas A&M in the same situation and and they don't play in the conference championship game. I think Texas A&M has a better shot there. I think the reason Notre Dame got in is because they played on the final weekend in a conference championship game. I think that was the difference. They played in a conference championship game, and Texas A&M did not. I don't think it's fair. 
I think Texas A&M is, is, um, is I don't think there's a ton of difference between them and Notre Dame. I, I don't, again, I don't like using the word deserving because I don't think either of those teams, quote unquote, are deserving. But I don't know why people were so sort of dismissive, dismissive of Texas A&M. They got, you know, they got the win over Florida, handed Florida, Florida's first defeat. Um, you know, they, they beat LSU. LSU wasn't very good. Um, it, it is what it is, and that's why certain people are, are sort of on the bandwagon of, of expanding the college football playoff. I know Jimbo Fisher has talked about that recently. But I think the the end of the day, what, what prevented, quote-unquote prevented, Texas A&M is that Notre Dame played in a conference championship game. That was In my eyes, that's the only difference, really. Um, when, when you're trying to look at those resumes. Thanks, guys, for listening. Coming up on Football and Grits on Wednesday, David Ubbin and Josh Kendall take you inside the SEC East. Thanks. God bless. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.